I knew exactly what I was going to write for Dave Rosowski's intro. I thought it out in my head, and I just need to get it typed up. And then Dave sent me his Second City resume, and I got to tell you, I was blown away. This man was a cast member for 10 Second City reviews. Now, that is an incomparable number. I have not seen that number again. And that's not even the beginning of it. He's directed shows in both Chicago and Detroit. And he topped it off with a nearly 10-year run as artistic director of the Second City L.A. Second City doesn't name artistic directors usually, so that's a big accomplishment. Now, while the volume of Dave's contributions are impressive, I was equally impressed by his recall of them. I ask each guest to send me a little background info for the episodes, and in the 35 or so that we've done, I have never received as comprehensive a response as the one from Dave. And beyond the amount of information was how well-formatted and easy to digest it was. Now, this is a theme for Dave, because as I continued my research, I headed over to the Second City website. With very little expectation, I clicked on Dave's picture in the alumni section. Now, because Second City gave the task of filling out bios to the individual actors, some of whom who are dead, this normally results in something like, Joe did four shows and loves the Second City. A number of the bios are actually completely blank. And while I could continue my website rant, I don't want to get too sidetracked. The point here is that Dave, he had a lovely bio followed by an equally lovely quote on improv written by Dave. My first thought after reading this was, this should be the template for all of the bios on the website. I'll be working on that after this episode. Both the bio and my little survey answers show that Dave has an incredible love for the second city and attention to the little details that may not immediately seem significant, but are actually incredibly vital. And this is an excellent segue into my original thought for Dave's intro, his improvisation. Now, I've probably only seen Dave improvise maybe a dozen times or so, but each and every time has been riveting. He's constantly present. All of his choices are specific and committed, and he's an active listener. He makes very bold character choices, bordering on but not crossing over into caricature. He really is a unique player amongst improvisers, and I don't say this about every second citizen, but Dave would have been just as good as a groundling. Okay, once I start straying into my groundlings talk, it's time for me to pivot and now introduce Dave Rosowski. Dave, welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, I was a graphic artist for a number of years, so it's really important for me that the uh, formatting be uh, be there. It was beautiful. <laughs> Every cast member, and, and the sad thing is I'm going to, your, your recall, it's more to help your recall, really, mm-hmm. Because that whole list, I'm not going to be presenting it back to you. Right. But as we talked about beforehand, while you're kind of tight, and that's p- part of the point of me sending it, as you're typing all this thing up, little memories pop up and everything, and, and that helps the podcast. Right. But again, and I've had a pretty good run of unusual Chicago improvisers. I, as I mentioned, I had Stephanie Weir before you, and I had Dave Thomas before her. And now I have you. Mm-hmm. And again, I have 30-something. These are three of the best character improvisers that I've seen at Second City. Keegan-Michael Key being another one. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Peele's not Second City. He's very good at that. But again, those are the names, and I've got a little run of the three of you, and it's a little bit unusual for our Chicago-style improv, which is Dell-influenced. Right. And and it's kind of the realization I've been having through these episodes is that, and at some point, I'm going to try to pimp you into your character from Maya just for the voice a little bit, just for a second or two, because that's kind of what I was thinking in your improv, even though that's a scripted character, but the depth and the richness and kind of the 
the fullness of you improvising where every bit of the thing is considered. I think for a lot of great improvisers, sometimes when you're really good at it, you can almost get through it with half-assedness. Not even that you mean to, but like you could just play a character that just doesn't have much to it and still say clever things, as opposed to feeling the clothes on the character and the environment around you and what, why the person talks the way they talk like that, you know? Those are things that I think you bring to a lot of your improv while still having all those fundamentals that Dell insisted upon. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't can, know what I, I expect you to. Yes, well, no, please. No, no, I mean, uh, it's interesting that you say that. I'm going to take the camera. Yeah, do what you got. It's, it's interesting that you say that because I think about when I first. It's interesting that you say that when I'm going to think about uh, Dell. I had just uh, everything that you said. I, I love it. Thank you. All all that is really great. Uh, when I went to uh, Improv Olympic back in '83 or '84, <laughs> I had just '83 or '84, '84, '85. I can't remember. I had just come off of just come off of performing improv in prisons across the United States. Uh, it was non-comedic mask work uh, in uh, like Rikers Island, Joliet Correctional Center, like uh, all these fe- uh, uh, federal joints and juvie joints and all these places traveling around the world. And I came and I went to uh, I went I went to Cross Currents, uh, where Improv Olympic IO was, and I said to Sharna, I had just got off a, a, this thing, and she said. Uh, I've just got off a of geese company and she said, I'll put you right into Dell's class. So I never took Sharna's class. I went right into Dell and my work was, I know, right? My work was big. It was large because that's what I did. Describe at- this mask work because unbelievably I referenced a mask show that Sharna directed with Stephanie and we were in it about an hour ago. Wow. Was it a Richard Hensel connected thing? I don't know who it was. Okay. Sharna knew him. The masks were incredible. They were mm-hmm. a little grotesque and obviously charactery. But it was one of the, it's the only show I've seen her direct, maybe ever. <laughs> and it was fabulous. The thing I said to Stephanie is that she didn't need the masks. Right. Packy and Tellerico, it really changed their performance. Stephanie, not as much because she's rooted in character. Absolutely. So describe the work you did uh, and how you got into that. Uh, I was doing a, um, uh, I'd, grad, uh, I'd been doing, I've been doing, uh, I've been doing theater since I was nine. Okay. And, uh, and I'm 62, 63 right now. I was doing it when I was nine. I was 60, I'm 63 right now. So when I got into college, I did something different. I, I got a degree in photojournalism. And I did that for about four years, and I just hated it. You do and take excellent uh, portraits, by the I, way. I still got it. In, and, you, and the portrait I have a use, really, really good. It's one of my faves. Um, but when I, when I, when I, my fifth year of college, uh, I decided I want to get back into the theater. So I got into theater, and it was like all over. I'm not going to, I got a degree in photojournalism. I'm not going to use it. Went to Chicago. And Where'd you go I, to school? I went to Northern Illinois University in DeKalb. Uh, which is also where Joel Murray went. Not that it matters. Scott um, Robinson, too, I think. I, and maybe I, Mike Coleman? Maybe Mike Coleman. Played football for them. <laughs> the Huskies. Yes. Uh, anyway, so um, uh, when I left there, uh, when, when, I, when, I, when I got into, into theater, in, when I left uh, DeKalb, it was 81 or 82, and Chicago theater was booming. Yeah. I mean, it was huge, and nothing was like that. Daily was dead. Everybody was excited about doing things like little holes in the wall were doing theater. And it was, was Steppenwolf in Steppenwolf its... Was, Steppenwolf was just starting out. Like they, were, they, they, were out, out of High, they were out of Highland Park. They were in, they were in uh, Lakeview. They were around that place, and they had 
hadn't opened their new theater yet. They were still at the old, um, uh, the, the old space. Anyway, that used to be a dairy. But um, when I went to Chicago, I just, I just, in, in, I saturated myself with improvisation, and I did a show uh, that was at the Metro, which is across the street from where the old Annoyance used to be. The middle Annoyance, actually. The old Annoyance was in Boys Town, and then the best Annoyance in my, the best party Annoyance was the one across from Ginger Man in the Metro on Clark. And then there's been like six annoyances since. Right. And so we did a show at the Metro and it was, uh, it was the Bacchae. And the Bacchae, it was rough. It was naked. It was, it was huge. It was bouncy. It was fucking awesome. And then when I left there, I'm like, I don't want to do anything but that kind of theater. So the next audition that I had, I'm thinking, I'm not going to do your typical audition. I am going, it's what you and I were talking about. It's like, I'm going to do something different. So I did a Lawrence Ferlinghetti poem, uh, Coney Island of the Mind. And uh, I remember the guy, I remember, I'm going, I'm going to kick ass. At a theater audition? At a theater audition. So they're looking for a monologue. They're looking for a monologue. And I'm, no, they're they're looking for something. Who the fuck knows? Right. So I I do Coney Island of the Mind, which is just, uh, look it up. It's a great poem by Lawrence Ferlinghetti and certainly not an audition piece. And the the guy that ran it, he was like, "Um, why'd you do that? He goes, I want to do something. I said, I want to do something different he said don't and I was like I'll never hear from him again so he gave my name to this guy named John Bergman John Bergman ran Geese Theater Company somehow this director had a feeling that I had a I had a knack for doing different things so I joined Geese Theater Company uh, and I never had improvised before and Bergman taught me this rough and tumble improv that was educational based and it was mask work and he's asking you to put the mask on and let the mask carry you so we and this is the thing joe where where in your intro you're talking about uh, you didn't say it but there's a deliberateness to everything that i do yeah there's a deliberateness there's a focus and there's an intention and what geese company taught me was have an intention have a deliberateness every move you make has to make a difference you on stage and, and, and I rode this through my Second City days, and it, and it gave me the methodology that I improvise, teach, and teach now, is like, like be mindful, be aware, and know that you are, a, you are an emotional delivery system the moment that you hit the stage. Stephanie's really good at this, too. No matter what you do, she, no matter what she does, she's put thought into it. And it's not thought ahead of time. It's like, I'm going to make this intentional move because I want my partner to do this. Yep. And when you are focusing on, I want my partner to do this, this, you, <laughs> the one thing that you have to pay attention to is your partner is the tit and you are the infant. And I've never said it that way before, but it's like, I have to keep my eye on the nipple. Right. And um, why is that? I don't know. So it's like knowing that this is where mana comes from. My partner is yes. giving me everything and I cannot get ahead of you and I cannot be, I can, I can, I can get ahead of where we are. In terms of where, what we're, what we're, our point of view and our emotional content, and I can't go back to what it was that we did before because that's as dead as a Kennedy, and it fucking doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, to, because you're right. I, I like a unique way of putting it, but yes, your nourishment is your partner, and so you. And when you're saying stay connected, you know, you're talking about making contact with that person, having an emotional connection. I think people who are really good character improvisers. Emotion is an important element in that because it drives that. And then, you know, uh, you brought up Stephanie and we were talking about her. Like, I think I made the point that often she reminds some of her characters remind me exactly of my mother. Mm -hmm. And that's when it's like like a, a fraught mother who wants everybody to be happy. And 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 so the emotion is, you know, it comes out of a motivation 
And I think that's how she operates, and, and that's how the character just gets much more complete. Because, mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm tense. Why am I tense? I'm tense because I'm a mother and this is my son. I'm tense because I'm a mother and this is my... And these pieces are being put in piece by piece right. by in, the two people. In real time. Yes. In real time. And because she's not... Stephanie's not going to go back and go, when I, I'm a mother, and right. what's it like? And she's not going to go back and do that. What she's going to go is... What she's going to look at is she's going to look at you, your, her partner in the scene. It's like, what's he giving me right now? And what do I feel like? What am I emotionally feeling like I need to tell him right now? I was saying in an earlier episode that I wonder if Second City's improv was stunted because of Bernie's insistence that it's only to create material, whereas Dell at I.O. was given the freedom to make it be its own thing. Right. So, John, well, he, this, this is, he, 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 you know, you can go, you can look outside of, you, you can look outside of, like, why aren't we, why aren't we appreciated? Right. But really it comes from the inside. Why, why aren't there directors insisting that actors keep their point of view? Why aren't there directors insisting that people take the moments? Why aren't there actors insisting, I'm sorry, why aren't there directors insisting that the actors take a moment? Why are we calling them improvisers? Why is it that an improv, that when I go to see a cast of uh, Hamilton, I go to see an improv team? Why is there an improv team? Why is it a competition? It's fucking theater and let's call it an improv cast. You don't have a team member, you have a cast member. And the moment that we start recognizing that we're doing theater and let me just tell you if you've got a script in your hand and you've got a blocking and you've got a director who's teaching you and being with you every step of the way what we do is fucking harder because we are the directors we are the we are the directors we are the writers we are the authors we are the we are the playwrights we are all those things in that moment at that moment we are the stage managers. We are everybody. We do pace. We do blocking. We do everything like that. And fuck anybody who feels that what we do doesn't deserve it and when it doesn't deserve accolades. Yeah. And when I say that, what I mean is fuck any improviser who just says, I'm just doing it for fun. That's fine. You could do it for fun. But if I'm paying $10 to see you yeah. and I walk in and you're wearing a shitty pair of blue jeans and a T-shirt that says, you know, uh, whatever, Anything. with the Brandon, whatever the fuck it is, yes. you know, that thing i'm like well, how dare you how fucking dare you and anybody that comes in and starts talking about oh, man yeah. i'm sorry one more thing i'm, no. I'm, I'm on a high uh, horse but, well, but for me uh, yeah i mean for me it's like 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 why are you saying that that we're stop referring to yourself as a starving artist stop it just stop saying that because the moment that you say that you're a starving artist some producers are getting a hard on because they're going to go i can put this person on stage and the only person that doesn't get paid are the actors that stayed the stage manager gets paid the musicians get paid the people that are taking tickets get paid but the one reason that everybody's there, we don't pay them. Dave, I've been, yes. I, I echo everything you say. And something we kind of talked about earlier is, is somehow, the, like, we are, we're like the Democrats. We're really bad at, uh, at branding our, our things. And, and there is, like, a, a, a self-sabotage where I remember that when, the, when Baby Wants Candy, a group at, at IO, started getting paid. Instead of all of us rising up and saying, hey, why aren't I getting paid? We were like, why are they getting paid? Which is what the owners want you to do is in fighting about stuff like that. Absolutely. But you're right. You're devaluing yourself as opposed to we're all worth this. And I have the same, you know, again, I'm, I, I think I'm a more casual improviser than you. Sometimes, and, and at this point when you're doing a show like in front of, you know, the, the you know, Jane Morris and Jeff at the, and it's just them and us. We're, we're fucking around and stuff, but like the, the, I never wear a t-shirt that I never wear shorts. 
but it can go further if you treat it like like think let's make the jazz analogy mm-hmm. those dudes they wore suits and ties and were very professional had to, i mean they had some other issues going on cuz many of them were black and there was racism and and stuff but but they 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 were all about the professional appearance decorum and everything and then do whatever the fuck you want on stage rip it up on stage it's a, it, I, I think your analogy to to all those were because when i started taking classes at io it was it was around the same time that i started getting into jazz and uh it was exactly the same time and and i remember coming back from adele's class and going home and putting on a love supreme you know or putting on you know somebody turning me on to uh, ah, um charles mingus, mingus ah, um, and, i was gonna say that yeah somebody turning me on to ah, um and you know charles mingus and going Okay, let's just take let's take Coltrane. Let's take my favorite things. Ba da ba 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 da. It's it's the suggestion that you get at the beginning of the scene, and as the scene goes, at, it's the beginning. The suggestion you get at the beginning of the Herald, and as the Herald goes on, you deconstruct that that theme. Theme and variations, like, absolutely. And then and then and 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 if you're listening to uh, my favorite things by Coltrane, if you're listening to it, you're going. The song is there. The melody's there. It's just fucking picked apart, and that's exactly what we're doing when we're doing any long form. And you can even go back to Moliere with the archetypes for the improv there where it's I'm I'm this I'm the you know the the fop that's not the right term for the age but like the the character archetypes and so they knew that but then they would whatever the subject matter is they variate off of that so yes a comedia dell'arte yeah like all that stuff but but you're right when we mention these other things they have kind of a standing in the artistic world that improv improv I think although it's become more ubiquitous and influences everything, it still has a bit of a, I don't know what the word, uh, like a sideshow or a not significant on its own kind of thing. Absolutely. And why? Why is that? Why? Why? And, and, and it's more of a rhetorical question than I, anything I, That's else. what I'm asking, you know, too. For me, I feel like one of the reasons is we don't, we, and when I say we, I'm putting myself in it, and I don't want to be part, part of that because I'm not doing that. But when I say we, I said we are not we are not respecting the art. We are not respecting the training that we have. We are not respecting all of that. And, and so if we don't respect it, who the fuck is going to do that for us? That's interesting. That's really, that's, uh, it's a big thought. I don't know how that gets corrected. It gets corrected, you know, if you, if, and it's that, it's, that, it's that phrase, you know, uh, uh, you know act locally. And it will become globally, yes. right? right? So what we have to do is what TJ and Dave does, you know? Like, and for me, they're, they're, again, they're a special breed because they started way back then. But there's no, you know... I'm, there is no reason that this, this is, I think, what you're about to say is those two, yes, are great. You could take 50 other pairs of improvisers at the same time. If they made the same dedication to it, they would have a similar outcome. Who's a master that we know? Who's an improv master that we know? Well, I know a hundred improv masters. Right, but why doesn't the rest of the world know a hundred improv masters? And and certainly, I don't expect the entire world to know improv masters. No, but, but I got to say that one of the things that um, I, I I'm lucky in that I've played with some awesome people: um, Rachel Hamilton, Carrie Clifford, Eric uh, Honeycutt. Um, I've played with some really really great performers, and somebody recorded them. And I have shows that I've done and I've taken those scenes apart from out of the piece and I've made them individual so that my students can watch what it is that I'm thinking, but who the hell else is doing that? And people in Anchorage need to see the great work that Rachel Hamilton is doing. Yeah, well, I think the, the, that's a, 
recording it for so many years. It's so funny. Like, we both did Second City shows. Right. By the time I was there, we were able to tape our shows on, on a DVD and get a DVD copy of it. But they had that capacity and your time to do on the videotapes. There was the ability. I spoke to Dave Thomas again, and he said they used to audio tape all their sets. And I was like, why didn't everybody from that point forward, from 1973, at every Second City Theater, every set be taped? Why? There's no reason not to. Right. But we just didn't even think about it. And I say this a lot of episodes where... Look, let's say I've said 20,000 funny things. Easily, 15,000 of those were out into the ether of improv and, will, and are gone forever. Mm-hmm. You know, there, was, there were some I did at Second City where we were recording it and it made it into a show. But I think that's part of it, too, is that the rush of doing it kind of overtakes you so that you're not, even, you're not even aware at a certain point. And when you're first getting into it, too, very few of us have the forethought necessary to create a career when you're starting with your improv you know, and so by the time you realize it, it's almost too late to gather all those thoughts. Right, right. So what that means is it's up to a lot of us. What this means is it's up to a lot of us who are um, elder statesmen to go, listen, kids, fucking record the shit out of this. Pass the lesson. And and another thing is this. If you don't like your face on, on a video, get the fuck over it. Just get over it. And if you don't want to be on stage... Get over it because you are on stage. Yeah, and I have, and and I want to say also, but kudos to you because you're one of the people that made it so that the work that we had, if I get this right, the work that we had at Second City is ours and we get paid for it. Am I getting that right? Uh, I, I to a certain extent, yes. Uh, Gene and Pete Gross, Gene uh, Villa Peak and Pete Gross, when they did their uh, contract, they got a stipend for the writers. So each time you write a show, you got a thousand bucks. Uh, I'm technically not allowed to talk about this unless I'm asked because I talked about it so much in season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Susan, Susan, no, no, no. I <laughs> right. love talking about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's where I heard it. Yes, like, probably from right, me. Right. But what happened then is that we we asked for 5000 per show. Right. Uh, the equity deputy was like, they'll never give you that. I said, no, that's how negotiation works. You're fired. We got 3000 And now you don't own it. They still own it, but you get the material. Absolutely. You get the paid for each show. Um, I did, you know, the bagpipe scene. Yes. I don't know if you know anything about that, about about what happened with that. I don't know what happened with it. I will say there are scenes like uh, this bagpipe scene you're going to talk about. Another one from your era called Pictionary, which in Toronto at a certain point, they had the script behind glass and it said, in case of emergency, break glass. (laughs) That scene has been the anchor, last scene of... 2,000 corporate shows at least. Uh, Pictionary. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And Bagpipe has been in at least as many shows, but it's for a blackout. Sure. So go it's ahead. A, it's a blackout. So, um, and, and here's the thing about Pictionary. I was in that show. Yeah. I was, that was my show. And, and I don't know how often people talk about this uh, on, on the podcast, but there's this. When that scene, I was not in that scene. I get very choked up about this. When that scene was about to go on, I would go into the audience, I would sit on the bench, and I would watch every single iteration of that scene because it was a masterpiece. And if you're in a show and you're able to watch your fellow performers do a masterpiece scene, sit the fuck out and watch it. So I got a, a few years back, I got an, an email from a student who said, I saw Steve Martin and Martin Short do your do your bagpipe blackout. And I went, what do you mean? Well, it's your bagpipe blackout. I'm like, oh, I, I, know, I had no idea about that. 
So I emailed uh, Andrew Alexander, and I said, Andrew, you know, what's going on? And he emailed me back and said, uh, yeah, we had a deal with Martin Short, Marty, he calls him, uh, a while ago, but we didn't have a deal with him that he could take that. And I'm like, okay, well, I just want you to know. And for me, I don't care because I didn't get any money on it. Right. Um, two weeks later, I get a check for $500. Scott Allman gets a check for $500. And, I'm, and it's like, Martin Short paid for the blackout. But here's the thing. I know this sounds weird. And I said this to somebody the other day. I'm like, what did you do? I'm like, that's not my money. It, it could be my money, but it's not all my money. Ah. Because I did that scene with Joe Liss. I did that scene originally with Jeff Garland. Nate Herman was the director of that show. I remember uh, a couple other people in the cast giving me notes about that. Dan Gologli played the first part of that. It's like, that's not my money. Well, this points to the difference between... Let me just say what okay, I did. Okay, go ahead. So I took that money and I donated it to the cancer fund in, our, in honor of Judy Fabjans, the late Judy Fabjans. A second so, city, yes. A, a, a late who died of, of cancer. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm going, that's... That was that's my philosophy about Second City, and that, and that's why when a show is written at Second City, it says written and performed by the cast. Now, Commerce, here we go. The Groundlings, you go see a Groundlings show, and again, I I there's a lot I love about the Groundlings, but when you were talking about the pay thing, every Groundlings show I've ever gone to, uh, soon I'll not be able to say this anymore on this podcast either, but. I get there and I go, fire the guitar player, fire the drummer, keep the piano player, fire the two people putting wigs on everybody and set your own chairs, and you can all get paid. Now, I, that's, now but, but that show gets people managers, and every scene in a Groundlings show has the author of the scene, so that when they decide to give out the residuals of that, this person will get it. However, Second City sketches that are written by the cast and written by Garland and then Joe Liss are tested so that the material has to stand up despite the performer, which is why you get better, not better writers, but by why I think Second City could be considered more of a writer's theater because you can't tour a groundling scene because that's Kristen Wiig. And if I try to do Kristen Wiig, it ain't working. But if I try to do Pictionary, the words are funny. And you're right. That is a masterpiece of social satire. Um you know, like if if that was in a sitcom, that would be like the the sh- the scene they it show was about in the a sitcom. sitcom. There we go. Did you know that? No. Who who? What sitcom? The Goodman, the the Goldmans, Goodmans, Goldmans, Garland. He stole it. <laughs> I got. I'm just gonna come right on. And say sure. It. I mean, I, I maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know. I don't see why you shouldn't say I, that. I I'd love to have Garland on. And if I had Garland on, I would have to say he didn't work at Second City, but they got his picture up so I could put him on the podcast. He did work at Second City. Well, he worked for, he wasn't on a stage. I'm sorry. He was on a stage. He was? Oh, yes, he was on a stage. He was in my ETC cast with me. Dave. The Heliotrope Players present, and it's, read that. Read the title of Garland that. was in that? Yeah. Garland was know. in that, but, well, let's and I'm going to say this, Garland was in that, but he was fired. Okay. And I, the reason I say that he was fired is, I mean, usually I would go, I would not talk about that, but it's in his movie I want somebody to eat cheese with, of him being fired. So he was fired. Before a show got to run, I believe. We worked on that show. Boy, am I right, well, let, well, let, yeah, I'm I know there's so many things it. we could jump around. You know, but but, I, but I, we worked on that show for, you know, usually a Second City show is like two and a half months. Yep. We worked on that show for four months. Oh. And, and again, like, at that point, that's all unpaid rehearsals. Garland's focus 
was to get a laugh. When you say Garland's focus, that's kind of a. I'm sorry. Let me just say Garland and when, focus. Garland don't was together. hired. Garland was hired. Jeff was hired. So the show was a parody of our town. Yes. And if you know our town, there's a stage manager. Yeah. And Garland played the part of the stage manager. And the stage manager just needs to facilitate everything that's going on. And he needs to be essentially a traffic cop. And the reason I'm saying traffic cop, and I'm going to hear, I'm going to tell you why in a minute. So he's supposed to be a traffic cop. So he would just keep making jokes over and over and over again. And I remember coming in to a rehearsal after we've been rehearsing for a few months and him laughing at watching himself. He says, watch this, watch this. I said tuna salad three times. And I'm like, tuna salad had nothing to do with the scene. So we're like, you know, this, this can't go on. That's and not the second city way. It's not the second city way. It really isn't. There's a, there's a story of another actor touring. And because I don't have 100% confirmation, I won't say the name, but was touring with a, with a guy who I, you know, or a contemporary of mine. And in Turco shows would just take the laugh lines, whether they were his or not. And that guy is a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Been canceled since, but that the, when I heard that, I was like, "That guy, don't get me anywhere near that guy." That is not because we, like I said, when the cast gets full credit for the show all together, that means everything is everybody and sacrifice and being quiet and listening and doing your part. That's here's where it's like a basketball team, where if you're the guy who sets the picks. Jordan's not scoring unless he gets it. Well, Jordan might. But again, if you're the one setting the pick, that's just as important to the play as anything else. Absolutely. Some people need to have the ball in their hands. But if you're setting the pick and you try to grab the ball away from Michael Jordan, nothing's going to happen. Nope. So, nope. so and, and it's, the, not every personality is fit for that. I, and, and Right. And that, that goes. So what you're saying here <laughs> goes into what a magical experience it is to cast a, to cast a cast to put the cast members into the cast because and and I have been really lucky in the cast that I have been in yeah and uh, whoever put the cast together of Paul Danello, Amy Sedaris, I mean Paul Danello, Paul, Paul Amy, Paul Danello, Amy Sedaris, and Stephen Colbert were the three-headed monster. But like then to have Carell in there, and to have Franny and Ruthie in there, and to have Jackie Hoffman in there, and to go, this cast is unstoppable. And then to put the right directors in there, put Tom Janis in there, you know, to to direct that. And there's the Maya scene, you know. So going back to your your, your Maya request, but it's that feeling of you create. Uh, you create an environment that people can play, and if there's a sort, you only need one person to shit in the punch bowl, and nobody wants nobody wants to get near that punch bowl. That's true. It only takes one person to screw your scene up, get rid of that person, and because the only mistake you make in sex and improv is casting. <laughs> so it's interesting, boy. That. I knew that Garland was to- had toured and was in and out. I didn't know that he made it all the way up to that point. And he's not the first person to get into a cast, and then they they realize, oh, this isn't the mix that works. And again, Garland, he's done fine. So I'm sure you know what I mean. Like he until he, he hasn't, but yeah, yeah. Well, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, yes, yeah. You're, you're, I know what you right. mean. But but like he he went on, and again, I think some of the things that made him perhaps not a perfect match as a cast member in a second city show made him better as a you know a cast member in a tv show or as a stand-up or whatever and and the, and that's the the thing these skills are not 
ubiquitous. Not everybody is able to to share the stage like that with other talented people. Right. That's a tough thing to do is seeing somebody. I remember my first show I did, and I got over it relatively quickly once I figured my place, but Brian Gallivan, I've never met somebody an audience loves as much. Just like he could stand there and they love him. And right. I was like, what the, f- why? When I say it, they get mad at me. Is it the way I say it? <laughs> Probably. Uh, uh, but it was just like, I was perplexed. Right. And I was like, what's going on? And then I figured, what? oh, well, here's what he does. Well, then if that I do this, and right. you know, you fit yourself so, in. But you fit yourself in and you also find your voice. Yes. And the thing about the Second City is, it's what Martin DeMont says, he, he, where he says, uh, the teachers and the directors there are the midwives to your voice. And that, for me, is the most beautiful thing that I've ever heard anybody say about Second City yeah. because that's really what it is. They're not, they're not saying say it. They're not saying, they're, they're not saying say it this way. They're saying say it. Yes. You know, for me, it's like, just say it. We want to know who you are. And the toughest thing is to give students and other actors, upcoming improvisers, the, the idea of you have something that is uniquely you and I want to hear what the fuck it is. Yeah. So when you try to be the next... Whatever, Jim Belushi, Kristen Wiig, whatever the fuck, John Belushi, Jim Belushi, nobody wants to be in there, Jim Belushi, uh, John Belushi, Kristen Wiig, whatever it's going to be, and that shows you how old I am, it's like, you are doing yourself a disservice, and the teachers need to, get, I'm going back to those teachers, uh-huh. they need to go, that's not yours. Who, what are you feeling right now? What are you feeling right now? And the trouble is that because we're creating it on our own, it, it, it seems to a lot of people that that the audience is going to think that you you believe that. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. And so what we have to train an actor to do is to know the difference between the actor and the the, the actor and the character. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's like you saying that right there. I don't see you when you're on stage. That's not you saying it. So that gives you the permission to not be you. I am freeing you from being you yeah. when I am an improv teacher and an improv director because I need to hear what you're feeling in that moment because that's what the audience looks at and that's what the audience goes, I've, I've been there before. I haven't been there before, but I've always wanted to be there before. I've been there before and I didn't say it so eloquently. I've said it eloquently, but I said it to myself. I need to say it out loud and they're saying it up there. Yeah. So you are given the superpower to go, it's, it's an existential experience to go, that is you up there, but it's not you up there. And isn't that the best? Because there are no ramifications. Yeah. Well, and that's you, when you talk about that, you're kind of getting back to the very beginning of what improv Viola Spolin was, which is regular people doing regular, like like theater of the common man, and then also as a therapeutic device for kids, the games and everything. Those were the the the, the roots of the improv, and it's and such why a play, it is, right, play, right. So we've, I knew we were going to get very theoretical in this episode, and it's nothing but tangents, but I want to bring us back <laughs> to, uh, again, to your experience at Second City, because you did so many shows there, and you toured for a ton of time. I toured, I, I feel like I, I didn't tour as much as other people. I think I well, toured for toured a three, year four and a half. Years. Oh, that's I, not that bad. I didn't, no, You just had a no. lot of names on your tour. I had a lot because, because people come and go, and so that, like, I did have a lot of people that I toured with. And there were two companies, I believe, when you toured. There right. were three. They, they had added green. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I was green. I you was were in green. green. Okay. Yeah, I was green. So maybe it was a, yeah. Uh, I remember there being three because I think that the colors were, connect, the colors were, uh, were, were, an e- were an echo of the three television channels. Oh, I the, thought it was the Ringling Brothers. Could be that too. Oh, well, could we've got a lot of too. theories. Could be that too. And Joyce, we can't talk to her. No. If anybody would know, Joyce would know. <sighs> but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you toured 
with Green Co. with I believe Carell and Colbert. Carell and uh, I did not tour with Colbert. You didn't tour. Uh, tour with I Colbert. toured with Carell with uh, with Jackie Hoffman. Well, I think that people really need to know who Jackie Hoffman is. Uh, but I toured. With, uh, She's in uh, Murders in the Building. Isn't Murders she? in the Building? Yeah, which is a horrible, really awful show, and I can't take it. Okay, and Martin, I'm just it's just me. Yeah, and people love it. But you know, it's like I can't take that Morton Shart. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Anyway, so um, uh, but uh, I toured. I, I I toured with Carell, and I toured with uh, I toured with Jackie, and I toured with yeah. So those are the two people that that people. Would know. And, and then uh, and then you did etc. You did no. Then I did Northwest Second. Oh right, Northwest. right, 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 right. Yeah. Yes, and and that yes, a couple things I need to really talk to you about Northwest being one. You did four shows or three shows? Uh, I believe three or I four. I can't remember. You have you, ten altogether. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was four, three, and three. Yeah. And beyond the, and that's before the directing and everything. So Northwest is like, again, there was so much talent in town. And again, Bernie did not want even the ETC to happen. No. But that had happened and those people are doing great. And now Again, like you said, there was so much in Chicago, enough to sustain a third cast as good as the other two that are going on. Mm -hmm. It's out in Arlington Heights. Now, are the shows more tailored towards the suburbs, or are you writing a Second City review as if you were on the main stage? Writing a Second City review as if we were on the main stage. I remember one scene that we did, which is a Chicago City Council meeting. and like, because, But we're in Arlington Heights. Yeah. You know? But again, that that's kind of... It, it, Goes back to the adage where, like, you'll, someone will say they're from Chicago, and right. you'll be like, "Where?" And they're like, "Arlington Heights." And you're like, "You're not from Chicago," but yeah. but the Chicago land area. I'll give you, I'll give you Arlington Chicago. Heights, Chicago, but I will not give you Kankakee, Chicago. No, no. I will not give you Rockford, Chicago, yeah. and I will not give you Kankakee or Joliet. Like, oh God! If no. you have your own airport, oh my God! If you, yeah. Right. Uh, so, uh, but you're out there in Arlington Heights doing the show, for, you know, for for a similar crowd, really. Uh, and how was your experience there? It was great. Cheryl Sloan, Joyce's daughter, was the producer, and she was very hands-off. And that's not to say that she let us get away with anything, but I never remember her saying, you can't do that. Right. Um, but So it was really a blast because we weren't connected to downtown. And there's something about the moment that you go downtown where you go, there's something about you know, going to ETC and then going to Mainstage because you're in that building at 1616 North Wells. And to be in that building at 1616 North Wells, that's what people know as a second city. And so there's a pressure on you that you pretty much bring yourself, mm -hmm. right? But in ET, but when, at Second City Northwest is like, no. And I don't know if you know this, but um, uh, Mick directed a show. Mick Napier directed a show. And there was a, <laughs> for some reason, I don't know why, they had an aquarium stuck in uh, as part of the set. Um, and I don't remember what that was, but I do remember they had a closer and it was an awful closer. It was horrible. The close, the closing number was, it was musical. It was a closing number. And they changed the last word. <laughs> they changed the last stanza um, to um, like singing, 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 singing. Oh, it was called, it was life in, life in, a, life in a fishbowl or something. And singing, 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 singing. And their last stanza, <laughs> they turned it into, here's your money back. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it's, but it's it's that it's like you can do that sort of thing, and I don't want to you know for me we did two shows we did we did a show on you know Friday night Saturday night we did two shows and what we do is we get back in the van and we go to Walgreens we pick up a, a twelve pack and we drink in the van and we come back and do the second show all right D just say no now but it's it's that feeling yep. and Mick directed a show there that was one of my favorite shows uh, Mick Nape directed a show there and it was one of my favorite shows and it was with Amy and Ken Campbell and Scott Allman and Jackie Hoffman and me and, and Megan Moore Burns and it was 
just so much fun, and I don't think we could have had that much fun if we were downtown. Well, the comedy is full of stories of people being left alone or forgotten and creating brilliance out of it. And I've always said the best thing the Second City producers have done throughout the history, and there are often times when I'll say it's the only good thing they've done, but is letting the actors basically have their... The stage is the actors and the directors. Right. And every time the Second City steps back from it, great results happen. And the few times where they try to fiddle, it never works out. And and but but for again, by and large, that the producers have always been hands off, and that's a great thing about it. But I would imagine another step removed hands off, while still having enough organization that there's not anarchy can create even more great Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Because when you're in that building, you're right. That's where you audition. That's where you want to be. That's the, the the stage that you've seen people and maybe where you got the dream. And it's also the building where all the producers are in the offices there and can come down at any point or whatever. You know, just the proximity to them uh, can be a threat. Right, 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 right. And any, for me, I know, and I, I don't know how uh, you know this, but uh, whenever, I, whenever I'm on, whenever I'm doing like a weekend intensive at another place... Everyone is on their own. Everyone is there because you aren't connected to home. Yes. And I think that that's what, what ends up happening. And it creates a good atmosphere. It's kind of so many sports analogies. But, you know, they talk about when basketball players are on the court, nothing else matters. You're on the, you know what I mean? And so the more you can remove the outside uh, interference, the more pure of a uh, experience you can have. I I only remember one time where, and I don't think it was the producers that 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 wanted to change. So I was at I was directing uh, Second City Detroit, and uh, the cast was really quite wonderful. You know, it was uh, Mary Beth Monroe, uh, uh, Mary Beth Monroe, uh, 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 Warzeka, Mark War- Mark Warzeka, uh, Keegan Michael Key, uh, Antoine McKay, Sherry Van Hu- Van Heuvel. Um, and uh, Kirk Hanley, and we are doing. Oh, I got it all. And we we're doing the show, and it was at the time that the that the Lincoln Navigator or something, the tires on the cars were exploding, <laughs> right, and people were being killed. And so we wanted to title the show "No Tread on Me," all right, uh, "No Tread on Me." And the people that were in partnership with Second City, which is always a problem, mm-hmm. uh, were the Illiches. The Illiches were part of the people that were. Pre- putting up the new Ford Stadium uh, where the Lions, the short Owners Lions of the play. Lions, owners of the Red Wings, um, yeah, and, owners of uh, 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 Little Caesars Pizza. Right, right, and Hockey Town, yes. where we were right there, and they said, that show will not open if that's the title. And so we, we jokingly titled the show Ham, uh, but it turned out to be the 19th review, so we called the show 19th Nervous Breakdown. But that was the only time I remember, and when I was a director uh, of the main stage, I remember going, <laughs> like, the cast and I did not get along. Mm. We did not get along. And I remember, you know, going to the producers and saying, I'm having a hard time. And they went, deal with it. I'm not going to do anything about it. There, so, okay. And they were right. But, but... And I will say the thing about titles, I, I pitched every show, I pitched Second City Sells Out because I wanted the people in the box office to say that and they wouldn't allow it. So that's where commerce does right. rear. And I understand it a little bit where it's like, well, we want people to come to show. We don't want to have the show be like, all understudies tonight. Right. That's the name of your show? Yep. Yep. All understudies tonight. Buddy the hand that feeds us. Yes. Uh, right. That, but, but that also points to this, the attitude. Another thing I think is necessary for a second citizen, not all. But you need to have a couple in the in the cast who have no respect for authority, Absolutely. or at least at least a legally limited 
you know, up to the legal limits. Yeah, respect yeah, for authority. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're, you're Adam McKay. Yes, you know, um, and and I guess Garland was also that. Well, and people have different ways of yes being right. their 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 subterfuge. Ed Furman would just say the most unbelievably. Oh, yeah. You know, we all have oh, yeah. our our kind of subversive way. Mine was constantly trying to you know satirize Second City within the shows. Uh, to some effect. So Carell, I'm sorry, Colbert and Jackie Hoffman would do a scene where Jackie Hoffman played Jackie Hoffman coming to Colbert, who was playing Kelly Leonard, and Colbert did a great Kelly Leonard, and they would do that scene uh, in the in the set, and the no one would laugh but the waitresses right. and us. Yeah, Dave Thomas said that he he did a scene where he basically was playing Sheldon for the whole thing, and uh, and Sheldon figured it out. And he was like, well, I mean, he, he did a good job of it. So what are you going to do? <laughs> so, I mean, it's impossible for us to just go chronologically. But I do want to ask, so the Northwest experience, was there, how was that viewed by other Second City people? Where, was it like, oh, good, another opportunity for us? Or it's like, why do they have to do the show out there? There was certainly a little of the why do they have to do the show out there. Um, and when you're, you know, but, but those are the people that, are, who the fuck is saying that? You know, there are certain people that are going to say that, but... Is somebody who's in the training center going to say that? No, because it's an opportunity for them to get it. Somebody in the training company to say that? No, because it's right. an opportunity for them to say that. So it's usually people that are cynical. It's usually people that, uh, that their first thought is like, it wasn't as good as it used to be. Yes. You know, that sort of thing, which is always true. Um, that somebody says that yes. is not always true. No. But it's... but. But for the most part, you know, I, I don't think that people were pissed off that it was out there. Um, I think for me, and I experienced just a little bit of this. I remember when I got hired, there were two people who can, who can um, I'll say this elegantly, can go fuck themselves, who said they hired you. Right. And you know what? You're not the first person. That's almost, that is kind of a... That's probably happened to, like, you know, one out of every three people... In, at Second City where, the, where somebody, and that's the kind of passive-aggressive. Hey, that's aggressive-aggressive. You? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, for me, the moment I said that, I'm like, do you know that, that you said, you both said that out loud right there? And I'm like, fuck you too. There you go. And, I, and here's the thing. What other people think of me is none of my business. Because I know that the cast that I had kicked ass over your cast, and you can go Scratch, asshole. <laughs> you know, there's a picture of uh, Colbert, Paul Dinello, Col- uh, I'm sorry, Corel, Paul Dinello, Colbert and me. And, and doing the, the obvious song. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at it going, was there anything more fun than that? No. And is there a mural of those two assholes on the wall at Second City? This picture is a mural on the wall at Second City. It is. In more than one place. It's right there, actually. Uh, there, up in the corner. See it? Up in the corner. Oh, Over my here. God. It is there. In that picture. <laughs> just as, if to, as if to prove your point. Wonderful right. timing. Right. So, yeah. And there is always that little kind of, even when the ETC started, there were people who were like, what do you need to start another right. theater for? Right. Blah, blah, blah. But it's all opportunities. And, and ultimately, Second City figured it out because if you got somebody on Northwest or you got somebody on Vegas or you got somebody here and they never made it back to Chicago to the main stage, you still could put their picture up if they get famous. Right. You know, right. and, and uh, Stephanie said Julie she, Louis Dreyfus. Stephanie, right. Stephanie went into Second City because she saw a picture of uh, Shelley Long on the mm-hmm. wall and said, oh, I like her. And now Steph's picture is up there. Right. So. Oh, God, Stephanie Ware. So uh, I just Stephanie did her episode. Stephanie That's why I know, I know, I know. Just let me, let me just say, come on. She should be one of those people that we, that we, Stephanie and Bob should be two people that we go, I'll pay $35 to see you. At yes, the, at those the, two. Uh, That's know. a great example of two people. You know, Nichols and May. Right. 
when Boom Chicago was doing all their video stuff and incorporating into that, and then they did the switches of Boom. I started that. At Boom, when you directed the show I, there, my my uh, that was my idea to have those video cameras on the video. Well, well that was that was groundbreaking Absolutely. for Boom Chicago, and it really ushered in a great era for them. And then they they switched cast with Second City, and and at the time, I was hoping that influence would go to the ETC, and they would make that truly an experimental theater company, and purposefully separate themselves from the main stage. And I understand why they didn't want to do that because you get the overflow crowd that. It has an expectation and things like that, but anyway, well, that's but, thought but, on that. but um, uh, my first show at my first show when I went from Northwest to ETC, my first show we had we had TV monitors in there and we used the TV monitors. We had pre-recorded uh, things on the TV monitors. We had joy uh, and in the show that we did uh, the Nate Herman show. It was we had a, we had Roy Leonard. Um, uh, the scene was called Politino Town, and it was Joyce Sloan talking about this neighborhood that didn't exist in Chicago called Politino Town. And Roy Leonard, the WGN <laughs> host, interviewed Father Joyce, of City producer Keller right, Leonard. but also a, a radio legend in, in Chicago, Chicago. Absolutely, and he interviewed Joyce Sloan as somebody who knew about Politino Town, and it is gorgeous what we've done. But we did that. We did other video things. We and we all we did that. Yeah, well, there was a scene called a bagpipe. Yeah. Uh, no, not bagpipe. There was a scene called um, satellite, and we and and satellite was uh, Joyce worked at a resale shop, uh-huh. and we got a and she got like four. Football helmets, yellow football helmets, and we turned them around, and we. I've made, seen the picture of this. Yeah, so we were all we were all on a uh, we, were, we were all uh, uh, astronauts doing a spacewalk in order to get a satellite to work again, which is one of the TV screens, oh. and um, it was really a beautiful scene. So. Uh, uh, Allman had a, a window fan strapped to his back that he had plugged in, so it was kind of like projection. I took a bentwood chair, turned it upside down, so it looked like another projection thing. And uh, he, and Allman had that that ceiling fan, and he had a plunger because it was backstage. And Ian was the one that was supposed to fix the ceiling, the the the, the, the satellite, right. which was the. The, the TV monitor. monitor. Are you with me so far? Yes. Right. So what happens was we were pretending to have a rope, and the rope broke. And, and Ian would float out into the audience, right? Yep. And the audience, so we're on, we're on the stage, and it's a thrust stage, yep. and he's floating out into the audience. And what, what he did, which glor- we did the first time, was Allman took out the plunger, pretended to wrap a rope around it, handed it to the audience members who all made it look like it was floating. One guy handed it to the guy behind him, the guy behind him, the guy behind him. And this was all improvised. Yeah. And then we eventually put it in the show, and Ian stuck the plunger... To his helmet, and then we pulled him back in. Yeah, that's that theater. Yeah, that's yeah, that, yeah. that theater that you don't get that on main stage because ETC is thrust, and, and it's, it's so low. You are with the audience. Absolutely, you're and right. Form follows function, and yeah. so that's why ETC is so cool because the theater is changing the way that you do the 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 scenes. I love doing the sets in the ETC actually because of that because it's more <laughs> it's much more. It's more similar to the cabaret at I.O. Absolutely. Where it's that low, and so many of us, you know, cut our teeth improvising in that right. room. So, so right. that's why that kind of uh, fits that thing. And it's, hard, and it's hard on main stage to get into the audience. Oh, definitely. You uh, can go down through that middle, but you're still kind of, you're, you're not amongst them. You're in no, that middle no. row there. And you're always, and you're never, among, you're never amongst them because they're so packed in there. Yep, yep. So 
You did Northwest, and did you go just right from Northwest to ETC, I would assume? It's just another, it just kind of is another at least paying step in the feeder system there to the stages. Yeah, I never, uh, you know, it, it, the financial thing was never really something that, uh, for some reason, I never thought about. Not that I have money. No. But it was just like, you know. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, so, I got a phone call from Joyce saying, we need, there's some, uh, there's some personality uh, issues going on in ETC, and we need a clown. <laughs> Okay. And you're a clown. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So uh, we. <laughs> Joyce was honest in a way that nobody after her really, like, just her, 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 I, I had experience with her quite a bit, but never in a professional way, just right. in kind of visiting her and, and, get, and oh, yeah. soaking it up. But hearing the stories of how she was, it's pretty interesting how she, how she operated professionally. Oh, oh my God. I mean, it, <laughs> so when she said that you can be, that we want you in ETC, I said, Joyce, I just bought tickets to Florence. And, uh, I've, <laughs> I've you know, I've got, I'm it's going always, to, someone always has a trip when they get <laughs> right, hired. Right, right. I have a trip to Florence and they're non-refundable. The tickets are non-refundable. This is what, I swear to God, this is what she said. She goes, would you say that again? I said, they're non-refundable. She goes, do you have a cold? And I went, no, I don't have a cold. She goes, I think you have a cold. I want you to go see my doctor. And I went to see this doctor. And the doctor said, um, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm fine. He goes, what do you mean you have a cold? And it's, he goes. It's like getting I, your weed prescription. <laughs> what is this? But then when he said this, then he said this. He goes, I hope you're not planning to travel, say, to Italy. And I'm like, what a coincidence. He like, here, you know, send this to the air, to the airline. I got my money back. And, and it was like, and then I was in the show. That's and how Chicago works, everybody. That's exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. She calls a doctor who gives you a note. That, oh, my God. And then that show, Barb, Barb Wallace directed that show, and that show got uh, 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 Is that uh, the first time a woman directed a Second City show? No, no. Okay. I think Betty Thomas directed a Second City show. And also um, Bernadette. Burkett? Burkett directed a Northwest show. I That's believe. right, but that was after. Okay. That okay. was that was after. I didn't know the, I the sequence I of that. I thought that Betty Thomas directed that show. And what happened to Betty Thomas? Uh, um, you know? This is uh, the second time. Boy, things, life is a herald. Because Betty Thomas came up in, in my previous episode I did today, too. And and it was about showing the, the, the advancement of improv, because when she introduced the show, she introduced it as, as if it was going to be bad, because it's made up. She just didn't know. She's from 1974 improv. Right, right, right uh, So right. we did our 1999 improv, and, and it was impressive. Uh, it was, and it was for a Dell thing, too, which was nice, because it was like, here's, here's where it's gotten to. Yeah. Um, Somebody told me a story of, uh, I, I think it was the cast that I directed in, uh, in, on main stage, and they were saying that uh, Alan Arkin came in and worked with them, and Alan Arkin didn't know how improv worked. Alan uh, Back at All talks about this in his episode. We all did a workshop with Alan Arkin. We're all in the ETC, and he asked for two people to come up, and, and it was Back at All, and somebody else came up. And again, the sets they would do is here, give us 20 suggestions. We're going to go back. We're going to write them down. We're going to kind of sketch them out a little bit sure. and have a real idea of what we're going to do out there. Well, they just took the suggestion whatever, and they did a 10-minute great scene. And so Alan Arkin was like, I have nothing to teach you. <laughs> I mean, he was just, because he had never, that's, that was, right. he, he didn't think we were going to be doing that. I know. So I it, know. it was a moment for everybody to be I like, know. yes. I know. Yes. And he loved it. 
He was glad it had gotten, and he was like, that's not what we were doing. Well, I want to say, let's do the other side, is Avery Schreiber came and did the set with us. Um, and Avery Schreiber was in the set back in the early 60s. Avery, Avery comes and does a set with us. And um, my mom went to, to high school with Avery uh, in Chicago. My mom, and I'm like, oh, my mom, would, my mom would love it if I come back home and I say that I did a set with Avery. So Avery and I did a set. And uh, I don't remember what it was. And maybe it was Spot. Can we get, you know, suggestion where we are? And we did the scene. And the poor guy was so slow. And everything took forever. And I'm going, oh, there reaches a point where you probably shouldn't be doing this anymore. And then it clicked in. He's doing this intentionally. Because that's the way he played. Yes. He played slowly. And I was like, Rizowski, you asshole. But even you're talking about, I was telling you how slowly you play. Mm. You tell a story about Avery Shriver. <laughs> about how, you know what I mean? It just right. shows that we've sped it up maybe too much. We, we have sped it up too much. And we have sped it up too much. And, and for me, if you, it's, it's that sentence that, uh, who the fuck said it? If you want to be interesting, be interested. And that's the whole thing. The yeah. audience will sit and watch you <laughs> as long as you're connected to what the hell's going on yes. there. Yeah. I want to talk about two more things at least. One is Maya a little bit because I don't think they perform Maya anymore. No. And, and I wonder about that. And I don't, you know, I understand why they don't perform it anymore. I'd love to talk to Steven about it because I think he wrote the scene and it all. No, 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 no. It was a cast. Oh, yeah. Cast brought it that all was, in. That was, do you want to talk about that scene? Yes, for a let's do it right now. Okay, so. And I may, yeah, I'm off, so you give me the story. Okay, there are. There are two scenes that I know at Second City where the moment that we did it, it was done. The moment we improvised it, it was done. That was it. Most scenes take, you know, you do it in the set, and then you do it the next day. You work on it, you work on it, you work on it. Steve and Steven, uh, Carell and Colbert, they come in with an idea that, was, that they just thought about. You know, uh, like when Steve comes home, he's an old black woman. Right. Right? And so I remember Tom Janis directed that show, and they came in on a Tuesday, because Monday we were dark, we weren't rehearsing on Tuesday, came in on a Tuesday on main stage. I remember it clearly, and I remember them coming in, and <laughs> I remember them coming in saying the cast, here's the idea, we were, in, we were in the house, about to jump on stage, and they said, here's the idea, Steve and I, uh, Carell and Colbert, we we come on stage and we're coming off of a train and we're, we're, we are, uh, Colbert is an old black woman, but Steve doesn't know. Yep. Right. So I remember going and we came out one at a time. Yes. And I remember thinking, no one be the suitor. No one be the suitor. No one be the suitor. I'm going to be the suitor. I'm going to be the suitor. And it just so happened that I was able to be the suitor in that scene. And then Ullman came in afterwards as the racist, racist and uh, and it was like, boom, that was done. That scene was done. The thing that they worked most on, but it was not written by those two. It was just brought in by those two. And I go back to what a great cast that was because we all understood that that scene is not about, and the interesting thing about that scene is, that scene is not about who you think that scene is about. That scene is not about Colbert. That scene is about Carell. Another thing that you don't realize is, and I, and, I, and I use that scene when I'm teaching, is to say, is to look at that scene and go, when does Steve Carell become uh, 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 Sarah Brown, old black woman, which is what you just yes. noted at the end. And you go, and, and people go, well, at this point in the scene, it's like, nope, at this point in the scene, nope. When Steve comes off, this, when they come on stage, Carell, Colbert says, when I come home, uh, I'm, I feel like I'm a different person. When I come to my hometown, I feel like I'm a different person. And Carell says, yeah, me too. But Carell doesn't say, yeah, when I come to my hometown, I'm a different person. So it was <laughs> at that moment 
And I know that it's a minor thing, no, but, but I've seen that scene a million times. Sure. So again, going back to this is this encompasses everything that we're talking about. Yeah. Because it's about connecting to your partner, go playing for the whole, don't going for the left. Garland comes in that scene, and that scene does not. Yeah. That scene is not a classic scene. Right. And I'm I'm sorry, and I totally understand why it's not shown now. Uh, I totally understand why it's not shown now, but. It was a classic scene. And when we did it at the 50th anniversary, uh, I didn't want to come to the 50th anniversary because I was just fired, essentially fired as the artistic director at Second City. And I didn't want to come. And Susie Nakamura says, you get on a fucking plane and you show up. And I'm so glad that I did because we did that scene. I walk off stage. Um, uh, what's her name? Schitt's Creek. I'm just spacing out. Oh, uh, Catherine, Catherine, oh, Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara comes up to me, grabs me, whispers in my ear, you're a wonderful actor. And I'm like, oh, fuck. All worth that. All worth that. But in that scene is also this moment, uh, the moment that Colbert and I take. That's it? Boy, the timing today. Yeah. Colbert, the moment that Colbert and I take to have that kiss, I come in hat in hand, character, strong character, at, uh, with a dialect, yeah, come in hat in hand, and he just looked at me, and all, and I remember thinking, the moment we did that scene, I'm thinking, I want to kiss him, I want to kiss her, I want to kiss her, I'm going to kiss her, I want to kiss her. Emotion and a choice and a motivation. Absolutely. So what we do is that kiss takes a long time. The audience gets all grossed out about it, and they're like, no, and we kiss, and we kiss for a long time, sure. and then we let go, and it's uncomfortable, and we live in the uncomfortableness because this is acting. This is acting. And I cannot tell you how many people, it was gross. We would hear people shout out, let's get off stage. I didn't come here to see that. And we wrote all of it down on the backstage wall, all the things that we have said. Because this is 1994. Yeah. You didn't see two men kiss. No. It is crazy to think in 1994 that, that it, how, how backwards it was. Because uh, in 1994, we thought we were... Way better than 1974, you know exactly. what I mean? Uh, exactly. Again, everything, right. everything's progressive. Uh, so, such a volume of shows. Uh, after doing 10 shows, did you have somewhere, did something compel you to leave Second City, or was it just like, all right, I've done That last show just killed me. Okay. The 50, the 35th. Uh, the was that the old wine in okay in new bottles? Yeah, and it was a touring company show, and it was yeah, awful. That's really, interesting. Why did they make a a resident cast do a best of? Show? I have no idea. I have no idea. And the material was like, who cares about Eisenhower? Are we really doing jokes about fluoridation? Is that what we're really doing here? Are you telling me that you know it's like oh Mayor Daly? Like who yeah. cares? It, it's hard. And again, Second City produces a lot of tourable scenes, but very few of them have more than let's say like an eight ten year. Lifespan, just because right. culture changes and things. Right. And we're all wearing old people's old, right. old costumes. If you're going to do an old, uh, and here's where Maya comes in. I think if you're going to do a show with old scenes, do a show called Scenes We Can't Do Anymore. Oh. And explain why you can have somebody there with context who explains where this came from, why you did it, and why you can't do it anymore, and educate the audience, and still monetize your scenes that are there good. There is a chapter in my book, uh, soon to be published, called uh, a, a Subversive's Guide to Improvisation. And there's a chapter called We Can't Do These Scenes Anymore. And it's three scenes that we talk about. One is, I, I don't talk about Maya, mm -hmm. uh, 
but we talk about the Beatles scene where mm-hmm. it was the 40th anniversary of the Be- of the the 40th anniversary of the British invasion. Yes, and uh, the Beatles come in. I'm Ringo. Uh, Colbert is uh, Lennon. Yep, uh, and it's like we're all the Beatles, right? Is there a Nazi component to it? No. No Nazi okay. component. So uh, <laughs> we come in, and Craig Taylor recorded the screaming of the people at the Ed Sullivan, so Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. So the scene was about the Beatles coming right off of Ed's, right off of the stage into the green room. That was great. And we're going, great, 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 great. And then Colbert says something like, um, uh, I don't know about you, but Mr. Sullivan touched me. And then Carell goes, yeah, he touched me too. And Alma goes, yeah, he touched me too. He fondled me. And I'm like, he didn't fondle me. Why wouldn't Mr. Sullivan want to fondle me? Like, there's a scene you can't do. Um, another but, scene was, but, go ahead. I, I know, I know. You know, like, I, what, I, what my silence is articulating here is my struggle of, like, there is a, there, 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 there can be a lesson in this if people, the I don't think the problem was with the material as much as it is with the audience not understanding satire. Context. Yes. And, and that makes me mad. I understand you don't, you know, the, the, the offended is the one who gets to state if it's offensive. Absolutely. I just wish there's a, a you know, I want to be able to contextualize these things because I think they belong I don't think there. that's, I think that there's some jokes in that scene and it's a really fun scene, but I wouldn't, I w- that's not a hill I want to die on. Right, yes. You know, I may no. want to die, I may want to die on the Maya hill. My, I yes. may want to die on the Maya hill. Another scene that, that's there, there's two scenes. One, another scene is, um, uh, we had, uh, Second City had a relationship with Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey and we got tickets to their circus and they got tickets to our show. Yeah. So we went to see their show and we were inspired by that and so Amy, I'm sorry, so Jackie Hoffman, Carell, and Colbert are dressed up like clowns. And they're dressed up like clowns. And uh, Jackie plays a deaf clown. So far, so good, right? Jackie plays a deaf clown. And Colbert is trying to rape her. And Carell comes in with his, you know, nose and his, you know, that, that, yeah, that yeah, hammer yeah. that goes, beaker, beaker, Doing beaker. Clown and it's like, violence. yeah, and they do a clown thing with the big shoes and running around and it's about to get really intense. And then the door opens and Scott Allman is dressed up like a Shriner and I'm in a ugly t-shirt in a wheelchair being wheeled in and I go, clowns, clowns, beauty clowns, oh, so like make, have- a, make a wish foundation. And we save the rape. One more scene, may I? Sure. It's called Spelling Bee. Oh, yes. So Spelling Bee is... And that tour, everybody toured Spelling Bee. Huge scene. Funny scene. Except everybody gets shot on stage by a, a kid who goes crazy because he's abused on stage. And one of the, 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 one of the, the, the judges of the Spelling Bee is his father. Yeah. So he kills, Carell kills Colbert and me because we were mean. Yep. But here's the thing, which is a real drag. There's a line in that scene where Jackie Hoffman plays a Jewish kid and Colbert says, uh, your word is compass. And Jackie says, can you use that in a sentence, please? And Colbert says, yes, of course. Your people killed Jesus, compass. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, Uh, that's a funny joke. It is a funny joke. Told by a very, very, very uh, dedicated Catholic, actually. And a very dedicated Jew. Yeah. 
Right. You know? Yes, yes, yes. You know? Um, yeah, and, and I think that's, you know, that that's the line there. Stand-ups go into this whole other thing. That's actually what I think some of the advantage of, of sketch comedy is, is it's easier to present the context in a staged way. But, but another thing opinion. about another thing about comedy is comedy is I'm sorry one more thing <laughs> no but no no comedy can... is it's fashion it, yeah it's of its time yes and I don't know if you've seen the George Carlin special I did. on HBO I did but at the beginning you know they he talks about there are two types of comedians you know and one of the comedians is you can't do those jokes anymore mother-in-law jokes yes. and when you have an improviser who is stuck in the past we know a few of those people yes. they're stuck in the past and you're going it's really hard to improvise with you because you're improvising mother-in-law shit and you're improvising gay humor and you're improvising you know the, like punching down yep. and it's like mm -mm -mm. yep and punching down is something i i am very against and i think that is the opposite of what second city teaches right. which is always punch up which is why the producers didn't like me because I've considered them up. Uh, I do want to, I know we've gone for a while, but listen, nobody has had 10, I've had people on here that have gone a half hour who did one show. So <laughs> technically that should give you five hours really. Uh, but I do want to talk about LA and artistic directing the first years here of the LA theater, which does not exist anymore. No. And what was uh, that experience like? And then I'll let you give last thoughts. Uh, well, I got hired. It was melancholy yeah. uh, because uh, I took Martin DeMott's place when Martin died of AIDS. And uh, at that time, it was 2000. And I was coming into a space that was so Second City was married to not the Illiches this time, but was married to the improv, the, the comedy stand up the, comedy yes. called the improv. And we had one small theater and we had one. Uh, re one one rehearsal space upstairs and that's all that we had and it was make the best out of what we can do so I always felt like I was the redheaded stepchild in that and my first thought was I really want to we need to have a resident company here and so I took a I took the best of I did a best of show and I hired uh, I, I hired Scott Robinson Teresa Mulligan Rachel Hamilton uh, who else is in that show um uh, Tamara Bick and a couple of the people that I can't remember. Oh, uh, uh, I think maybe Pip was in that. Okay, Pip, maybe Second City people, Second City Chicago, people. And exactly. Quality so people. quality people, quality people. I could get Pip wrong. I, I I'm sorry, Pip, if I did. So we did that for a bit. We didn't get. We didn't get. We didn't get. We didn't get the support from Chicago, uh, and so it just went away. I mean, the that show went away, yeah. and it was just me trying to get bigger and more and more and more and more and then we we got great teachers and I really worked on the curriculum and we were kind of let go like we I was at Northwest yeah and we said we're outgrowing our space we can't do this and we were renting a space which ended up being the one in Hollywood we were renting that space out and they hired you know they said Gary Rudorin was going to come in Ruderman at the time yeah. Gary was going to come in who's an architect and we're going to look at a space and Lee Costello and I found a space on Hollywood Boulevard which had been perfect and Lee Costello, former Twitter C, uh, executive. No, no, no. That's um, Frank Costello. Costello. Right. Costello. But Lee is Lee was the uh, executive uh, executive producer of Second City Got LA. It. So we look at a space. It's, I'm sorry. It's on. It's, uh, it doesn't matter. It's on. It was on Santa Monica. We looked at a space. Glorious space. Lot of room. Gary comes in. I tour it with Gary, and I and I go. I, I want this and this and this, and I want to put this and this and this and this. And Gary comes up with the schematic, and it was gone for Santa Hannah, and then it died. Mm. And then we're stuck at this place on. Hollywood Boulevard. We never got the, we never we never got the support that we needed. Yeah, I, and and it's interesting because 
you've got the you've got the alumni out here at your disposal. Right. No, not always at your disposal, but if you want to use it. They them. did. They had, yes. I mean, they had at the Mayfair Theater right. when, when I came out in the 80s. You know? uh, yes, they did things like that. Uh, and every other time they've done a satellite theater, it has come with a resident company doing a resident show in that town. There was a jeweler down the street. There was a jeweler right down the street. Uh, at, there was a jeweler right down the street. And in front of the jeweler, there was a spot. And I don't know what the fuck happened there, but it smelled like, <laughs> it smelled like an ass. <laughs> All the time. It always smelled like ass. And I'd pass by and I'd forget that, I'd forget like, i forget, oh, I'd go, what smells like ass? It's like, oh, that spot that I pass every time. And you walk up the stairs and it's like, what kind of shithole is this? Who, what is this place? And you go into the bathrooms and the bathrooms are like, I would rather dump in my car. It was kind of a uh, medieval type uh, bathroom. Absolutely. And the stage was wrong and everything was wrong. And, and. You know, and again, again, I love Second City, and my the book has so much Second City, and I love it, and I know that I'm on the podcast about Second City, and maybe here's the final thoughts. Yes. It's that feeling of... <laughs> It's this feeling, which seems to be the theme of, 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 our, of, our, of our lives now. It's like, it didn't have to be that way. Yes. Anybody that, listen, that has heard more than one episode of your podcast, even on one episode of your podcast, knows that it's coming from love. Because I've heard several, uh, several, uh, several episodes. And I never hear somebody going, that's a bitter fucker. I never heard you. I, nev- I would never look at it like, that's a bitter person. Because a bitter person doesn't have a podcast that they're hosting that has many episodes that you have called The Second Citizen. True. That wasn't fuck this place or burn the fucking place down yeah and it was like you are coming in with a deep dive and you've got to ask and i'm sure you've asked yourself why are you doing this you know and one of the reasons that you're doing this is you love it so much and one of the reasons that you love it so and, and what's evident about it is the amount of information that you have and the amount of thought that has gone into it and the amount of history that you know and the amount of connections and the guests that you have and the depth that you work with these guests on shows that you love this place and my love of this place is absolutely true as well yeah and do i have opinion about it you can't work at a place for 21 years and just go, it's happy puppy loves kitty town all the time. And I promised myself when I got hired, Don DiPolo said, Don DiPolo was one of the great teachers over there. He said, do your work, pay no attention to the politics and get out before you're bitter. And I almost got out before I was bitter. <laughs> and what happened for me was at the end, I, towards the end, you know, it's, it's in my book, but towards the end, it was like, you know, I, I was starting to question the methodology of improvisation at that time. And it didn't work because at that time I had been studying, I'd been looking at Buddhism, I'd been looking at uh, the, the viewpoints, something called the viewpoints, and that was changing the way that I thought about improvisation. And it didn't jibe with what I was teaching as the artistic director of Second City in charge of a training center. And I would find myself going, mm, Commerce uh, again. Uh, right. And I thought, and I thought, and I said to myself in Second City, I said, if I ever call what I'm doing going to work, it's time for me to go. And I found myself saying, uh, I can't meet with you later because I got to go over to Second City to go to work. And it's like, ah, 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 ah. and then they started to, I felt it started to push me out. Mm. And if the universe says, clean out your locker and you don't clean out your locker, your locker gets cleaned out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to make it, I mean, you didn't get the bitter through the 10 shows you did. So... That, I mean, that's no. that's an amazing record, and it's clear that you haven't like let that color your entire experience there. And the last thing I'll say is, there's never the, the best thing for your career at Second City is getting fired by Second City. That is what D. Ryan said. It's honest to God, and it may, and it may maybe it hasn't manifested itself yet. But, oh, it has. Oh, it has. Well, great. 
I mean, because that seems to be the rule. I tried. I wasn't, I didn't want to be fired, but I think I was doing things that were encouraging them to fire me. It never happened. So unfortunately, I still got to wait for that. Uh, <laughs> and then, then things will really start rolling. But Dave, as you mentioned, this episode will enhance the f- future episodes because of the information you shared with me. And that's, you know, kind of part of the point of this whole thing. So it's, I thank you for sharing all of, of it. And I enjoyed it and loved it. Me too. And I look forward to your book. What's it going to be too. called? A Subversive's Guide to Improvisation. All right. I have uh, Aspiring Subversive on my Twitter handle. So Ooh, nice. uh, it's, it's for me, that book. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of Second Citizens. I'm your host, Joe Canale, asking you nicely to follow us on Twitter at Second Citizens or on Instagram at Second Citizens Pod. Also, since you're listening, why don't you give us a five-star rating and any kind of review that you like, good or bad, as long as that rating is five-star. And if it's a funny enough review, maybe I'll even read it in an episode. I don't fear insults.